0: And that message is so needed, it's going to fit in so well with uh, what the Lord has led us to here this morning. I'd like you to stand with me if you're able to stand here this morning and want to read just a few verses here uh, today, and uh, then we're going to make some comments here out of Revelation chapter 22, and then we'll go to the Gospel of John chapter 15 this morning. I want to to read here, as we've done over the last few weeks, uh, verse 7. And here are these uh, words of Christ. He says, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And uh, in the Bible, precious, and in the book of Revelation, precious, and a wonderful promise that God gives to those that follow the principles of his word. We go to verse number, uh, if you would, 12. Verse number 12. And again, the statement Behold, I come quickly. And my reward is with me. Uh, The Bible says that every one of us, if you're saved, will stand before the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there at that judgment seat, we will receive reward or loss of reward. He says to give every man according as his work shall be. Then we go to verse number 20. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so. Come, Lord Jesus, and that ought to be our heart's desire to see the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the conclusion here of uh, of the Bible: the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all as we await the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We live in this day of grace. We're saved by grace. Uh, every aspect of the Christian life is dependent upon grace. Uh, I needed God's grace. Raising my family, I need God's grace in pastoring. We need God's grace in dealing with our own sin, our own shortcomings, our own failure. We need God's grace in serving the Lord, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now go back to verse 17. Jesus is coming again. God's given us a mission. We have a mission as we await the return of Christ. Verse 17, and the spirit and the bride say, come, And let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. This is the last invitation of the Bible, and we, in previous messages, had preached about this last invitation. One day the door is going to close. Uh, One day it's going to be too late. And those that are saved will be saved, and those that are lost will be lost. There's no in-between. There's no purgatory. Either you're saved or you're lost. Either you know Christ or you don't know Christ. Okay, but now God has given to us a mission. And that's what we want to speak about here this morning is our mission as we await the return of Jesus Christ. And if you'll join me this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you. You're so good, it's just good to be in church this morning. Thank you for the gift of Valley Bible Baptist Church. Thank you for these dear folks. I, I never take for granted the privilege standing in this pulpit and Lord giving a challenge. And I believe the challenge here today is so very crucial. This is your call upon each of us, this is your call for Valley Bible Baptist Church, and our mission is not completed until the day we hear that trumpet until every man woman boy and girl upon the face of this planet has had an opportunity to hear the gospel message god would you empower us lord you know every heart would you minister at the point of need this morning glorify yourself in jesus name we pray and ask amen and you may be seated here this morning now as we have dealt with over the past few weeks uh, as christians if you're saved this morning we are awaiting the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is known as the blessed hope of the Christian. Uh, we refer to it as the rapture, and I believe it's the rapture that we're dealing with here in Revelation chapter number 22, uh, where the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise, and then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Uh, it's going to happen in a moment, and the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, and uh, it will take place Uh, When we uh, least expect it, I think, and when we, uh, we don't know when that's going to be, but it's imminent. Uh, Jesus said, I I come quickly. Uh, I I believe, as he said here in Revelation 22, the time is at hand, and I think definitely we can see events that are prophesied here in the book of Revelation that look to the return of Jesus Christ in Revelation 19, and yet seven years prior to that is this rapture, this event that we are speaking of here this morning. So as we await the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord has given to us, His church and His children, a mission, a commission, we might say. Uh, Notice again verse 17, the Spirit, and we live in this day of grace, and God has given His Spirit in John 16 uh, that brings conviction of sin and brings this challenge to the world and draws men and women and boys and girls to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit... And the bride, the bride is his church, and his church has been commissioned. The bride, say, come. And you'll find that the Lord Jesus Christ, after his resurrection on five different occasions at least, uh, gave this commission to his church. And uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse number 19, he says, "'Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.'" He said in Mark 16, verse 15, He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Luke 24, verses 47 and 48, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And He said, Ye are witnesses of these things. In John 20, verse number 21, Then Jesus, or said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me. Even so send I you. And in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, Before the Lord ascended into heaven, He said to His disciples, But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And His church is to invite a lost world to come. The Spirit and the bride say come. (laughs) Let him that heareth say come. All that have heard and have received the Lord Jesus Christ are to plead with a lost world, come. Jesus said to Peter, to Andrew, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And then in verse 17 of Revelation 22, he concludes, Let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. We would ask this morning, are you thirsty? Are you lost? Uh, We are to come to the living water. We are to drink of that living water freely. And that living water springs up to everlasting life. And as Jesus said to the woman at the well, he that drinketh of this water shall never thirst again, and I'm so grateful for that night when I came to that water, to that living water, and I drank of that living water, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Lord gloriously forgave and saved, and that's God's gift. This is our mission, to share that message with a lost and dying world. Heaven is real. It's the greatest place on the face that we can ever describe. Uh, hell is real. The most horrible place. And so we have been given a commission to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to go with me this morning to the Gospel of John, and that's where we're going to be today as we look at our mission. We're waiting the return of Jesus Christ, but we've got a job, we've got a mission. John 15, I believe, as you look at the context of the scripture, Jesus taught this to the disciples the night before the crucifixion. In John chapter 14, he's in the upper room with the disciples. The Bible teaches at the end of John 14, they departed from that upper room. They began to head toward the Garden of Gethsemane. We read about that in John chapter 18, where the soldiers came and arrested the Lord Jesus Christ. And somewhere between the upper room and the Garden of Gethsemane, We have this message here in John chapter 15, then John chapter 16 on the Holy Spirit of God. John chapter 17, uh, we would call this the Lord's Prayer and beautiful passages of Scripture. But here in John chapter 15, uh, the Lord is sharing with his disciples our mission. We see here our purpose. This section of Scripture is about fruit bearing. I want you to look at a a couple of verses as as we look at this section of Scripture. Verse number 2 of John 15. He says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruits." In verse number 4, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same, bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. In verse 8, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. And in verse number 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. That's evident in this context. I believe the fruit that he speaks of is not the fruit of the Spirit that is spoken of in, in Galatians 5, though that would also apply here. But I believe we're specifically speaking of the fruit of lost souls. And it is our business, it is our calling as we await the return of Jesus Christ that we bear fruit, that we bear much fruit, that we bear more fruit. Uh, I have never planted a fruit tree, but what I did not want and expect fruit from that tree. Never planted a grapevine, but what I did not desire and expect and look for fruit from that vine. Now, As we look at the Bible, friend, this is the heart of God. This is the heart of Jesus Christ. God So loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Uh, The Son of Man in Luke chapter 19 verse number 10 is come to seek and to save that which was lost. The Lord Jesus Christ left the glory of heaven. He's God. He was born into this world, came into a manger, was made in the likeness of men, took upon Himself the form of a servant, and then was obedient unto death. He left heaven for souls. He lived his life pursuing souls. You study the life and the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. He invested into souls. There was Nicodemus that came to him by night. And he shares Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then there is the woman at the well who Jesus must needs go through Samaria. There's a woman that needs a savior. And there Jesus speaks to that woman about the living water. And then we have the woman taken in the act of adultery in John chapter 8, and it's very clear that Jesus gives that message of salvation that can change a life. And then we know a blind Bartimaeus that uh, met the Lord Jesus Christ, and his whole life not only physically was changed that he now would see, but spiritually he would see the things of God. And then there's wee little Zacchaeus that climbed up in the sycamore tree, and, and Jesus passes by, looks up into that tree. He says, "Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today." And you follow the life of Jesus Christ. His life was burdened for souls. He saw a lost world, and he was broken for a world that needed a savior, a world on the road to hell. He went to the cross. souls, for you, for me. He shed his blood. And then before he gave up the ghost, there's one last soul, that thief, who turns to Jesus and is gloriously saved. And that day was taken to paradise because he repented. He didn't come down from the cross and get baptized he didn't come down from the cross and join a church no he was saved by the grace of god and it was the testimony that the lord can save anyone that will turn to jesus christ and at the last minute here's a thief that's gloriously saved he didn't earn it he didn't deserve it you didn't earn it you didn't deserve it it was god's gift that was his mission but that's the calling for us, the fruit of the Christian souls. Proverbs 11, verse 30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. He that win his souls is wise. Brother Wilkins used to take that thought, and he said, he that doesn't win souls is not wise. Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6, they that sow in tears shall... Reap in joy, and he that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And may God break our hearts for a lost and dying world. And I'm thinking of William Booth and some workers uh, sent to William Booth and said, William Booth, we're, we're having trouble. Seems like nobody's interested in the gospel. Nobody's turning to the Lord Jesus Christ. And William Booth responded to these men. He said simply... Try tears. That's what Psalm 126 speaks of. A broken heart. Jesus, after he ministered to the woman at the well, turned to his disciples in John 4, verse 35, said, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Jesus says that harvest is here, that harvest is ready. And then, of course, in our passage of John chapter 4, there was the multitude from that city that came to meet Jesus because of the testimony of that woman. Friend, if we're not burdened for the lost, we're not seeking to win others to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's clear in the word of God we are disobedient to the commission that God has given to us. Again, look in John 15 Verse number 2, Jesus made this statement, Every branch in me that beareth not fruits, he taketh away. Then he says in verse number 6, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. Men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burnt. I can tell you I have never had a dead branch laying on the ground that I would pick up and produce fruits. That dead branch, it's dried, it's withered, it's fruitless, it's without purpose. And that's what a child of God will be that's not walking with the Lord as we deal with this section of Scripture this morning. It's going to be like salt that has lost its savor. It's just existing as a Christian. And, and can I say, Valley Bible Baptist Church, that may we never lose the focus of the commission that God has given to us, and that's to bring the gospel to every man, woman, boy, and girl upon the face of this planet. That's our mission. That's our task. And uh, we do bus routes and van routes, and we do a Christian school, and we do Sunday school classes, and we do uh, various things. We have a Spanish ministry. We have a work in Trojas, but in every case, this, the goal is souls, uh, homes, families, lives that need Jesus Christ. We're called to bear fruit for Jesus. We've got relatives, loved ones, neighbors, co-workers, acquaintances. God has placed them in our lives. We have a valley that needs a Savior. There are cities and villages all around us. In fact, this morning, every morning, Uh, Brother Louis calls uh, from Truchus, and we have the service in And Brother Louis called, and he prayed this morning. And here was his prayer. Still uh, remember as he's he's praying this morning. And he says, Lord, there are are towns all around us. And he says, uh, Lord, would you help us to get a church started in El Rito? Lord, would you help us to get this church going in Truchus? We need a church in Mara. We need a church in Penasco. And he's praying for the cities and villages around us. There's a, a needy world. I think of Matthew chapter 9 uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. I, I believe the Lord Jesus, there was a tear in his eye as we read in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. He was moved with compassion uh, on them because they fainted. They were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And he saith unto his disciples, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers, into the harvest. That was the heart of the Lord. You know, it's so easy to get sidetracked and We can gain Bible knowledge. We need to gain Bible knowledge. We need to learn all that we can. But knowledge without action simply puffeth up. And many miss the practical work and purpose of which God has commissioned us. And I went to to Bible college. I had Bible college professors. They had all of this knowledge, all of these things, but there was no practical uh, work in their life. And uh, they would get involved in all the deeper stuff and interpretations but miss the very heart of God. And it's the heart of God for a lost and dying world. And I'm so grateful that the Lord allowed me to work on a bus route. And just this past Monday, had the opportunity to my family. We went to see my dad and drove down there, ate lunch, took lunch to him and ate lunch. And, and they brought out to me a bowl, a pie pan. And on the back of the pie pan, it was engraved. And it was a, a scripture that years ago I'd given to my parents, but it was a man that made this pie pan for me as a gift to my parents. And the story behind that man is bus routes. And there was a little boy and a little girl named Ernie and Laura. They came from a broken home. I got to pick up Ernie and Laura and take them to church with me. Then through Ernie and Laura, I got to meet their daddy, Randy. Randy was an alcoholic. Randy saw his need of a Savior, called upon the Savior, still remember the day he came to church with me, sat by me in that church service. And in that church service, he's under conviction. And I take Randy forward, and and Randy begins to get his life right. And he, that night, got baptized and became a part of our church. And through the life of Randy, I got to meet Mr. Tucker. Mr. Tucker and his wife started coming to church. And then in the process, that pipe in came into picture that he made. Precious memory. You see, let us never forget the heart of Jesus Christ. So easy to get sidetracked and making money and living for pleasures and possessions and popularity. But the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ is a world that needs a Savior. See, that's our purpose as we await The return of Jesus Christ to bear fruit. Now go back to John chapter 15 and this becomes important. Here's our purpose. But to fulfill that purpose, there's our purging. And notice in verse number 2 of John 15. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. But he says every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. We see here this principle of purging. The word purge means to cleanse, to purify by separating, to remove that which is offensive, to sweep away impurities. Simply put, in this context, it's to take the things out of our lives that keep us from bearing fruits. He gives us here the illustration of the grapevine. He says in verse 1, I am the true vine, my father is the husbandman. He said in verse 5 again, I am the vine, ye are the branches. And we had a grapevine in our yard. And I told this story in our Christian school chapel here this last week. Had a grapevine in our yard. This grapevine was getting a little bit wild. And it was growing. It was growing very well. But it was spreading everywhere. Branches going in every direction. And, and uh, this grapevine is it's growing. One day, uh, David He got this idea. He went out to that grapevine. He began to prune that grapevine and cut it back and cut it back and cut it back. And I went out and looked at the grapevine, and I thought, that grapevine looks pretty sick. Uh, It's going to die. He cut off almost everything, and uh, it probably won't make any fruit this year. But, you know, that vine came forth out of that pruning, and that vine made the most grapes that it ever made. In fact, I think we probably got 70 to 100 pounds of grapes, and they were the most delicious grapes off of that vine that year. And it went through the purging. Why? That it might bear more fruit. And so purging is a a part of our lives that's very difficult. See, bearing fruit is so important to Christ that He's willing to cut you back, willing to purge you, willing to build character in your life. See, God must purge the sin out of our life. It's sin that keeps us from producing fruits. He deals with hidden secrets, skeletons in the closet. And God is holy, holy, holy. He hates sin. He must judge sin. And if he is to use us, he must deal with sin. I love the history of revival. And as you study the history of revival, it's constantly a new awareness of God's holiness and the sinfulness of man. And God begins to purge and deal with the hidden sin of life. You can follow that principle in the Bible. Peter had pride, and the Lord knew that pride. Peter didn't know his own heart. And the Lord said, Peter, this night you're going to deny me thrice. And sure enough, Peter did. Broke the heart of Peter. The Lord knew something about Peter he didn't know. but The Lord knew that Peter would be the tool, the vessel on the day of Pentecost. Before God could use him, he had to purge him. We look at Jonah. Jonah was rebellious. Before he could reach Nineveh, God had to deal with the rebellion. Moses was self-reliant and took the life of the Egyptian. And before God could use him, he had to purge him on the backside of the desert for 40 years. The children of Israel had turned to idolatry. And in Jeremiah chapter 2, they had hewn cisterns, broken cisterns that could hold no water. And the Lord had to deal with that idolatry. And he puts them in the land of Babylon for 70 years. And you see, God will share his life with us with no one. He's a jealous God. And he purges the sin of our life. He deals with the wild branches. David cut back the wild branches on our grapevine. Maybe you're like me. Sometimes we get so busy, sometimes with good things, sports, functions, hobbies. But we neglect the best. So God has to cut out the dead, the unfruitful branches. It's the principle of purging. You ever thought about the pain of that purging? (laughs) I mentioned that grapevine. It looked pretty bad. A freshly pruned vine, a freshly pruned tree. Uh, it may seem unfair to that vine, to that tree, but it's necessary. See, God's purging is often painful. He uses the word of God, John chapter 15, verse 3. Now you're clean through the word which I've spoken unto you, and uh, the Bible convicts us. That's why you need to be in the Bible every day. Sin will keep you from the Bible, or the Bible will keep you from sin. The Bible is light. It reveals the problems of our lives. But then the Lord begins to chasten. he disciplines, he spanks. He speaks of that in Hebrews chapter 12. He, he spanks and disciplines every one of his children. Uh, I just give personal testimony. Some of the most difficult times of my own life have turned out to be the most precious There are things that I wouldn't want to go through again, but I can look back and I can say, thank you, Lord, for the privilege of going through them. There are times when I failed miserably. There are times when I thought I'd failed the Lord so much that he could never use me. There are times when others failed me. There were times of great loss. I mentioned my parents and, oh, a dark day. When I was there, and my mom took her last breath here upon this earth, her first breath in heaven. My wife recently with her own father, and uh, the difficulty, the loss, the emptiness. Uh, There are times of difficulty, storms, times that I've wondered, Lord, where are you? It's like he's asleep on the boat. There are times when it appears that he's silent. There are times of blindness and darkness, but God's pruning, God's purging, God's purifying fires. And he does that because he wants to produce fruits out of our life. That's our mission while we await the return of Christ. Oh, that purging, there's that power in purging. That purging draws us to Jesus. It empties us of ourselves. It empties us of pride and the vanities of life. And it makes us and molds us into the image and character of Jesus Christ. That purging draws us to Jesus because he's able then to produce fruit through us. And he's glorified in our lives. He prepares us for his return through the purging fires of life. Our purpose as we await the return of Christ is to bear fruit. It's our priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. There's our purging. He purges us that we might bear fruit. More fruits. And I think of the song, must I go, and empty-handed, must I meet the Savior's soul. Not one soul with which to greet him, must I meet the Savior's soul. No, I, I don't want to go empty-handed. And the Lord takes us through the purging and the fire. But I want you to think here of our power. You have no ability in yourself to produce fruit. You can't do it. Read with me verses four and five. He says, Abide in me. This means to dwell, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except you abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me, ye can do nothing. A branch on its own can bear no fruits. It's impossible. Uh, I've had to come many times and say, God, I I need wisdom to raise my family. Uh, When I brought my first baby home and the eyes were opened, I need wisdom. Cats had closed eyes. I need wisdom. Lord, I can't do this. Uh, As a pastor... I remember my first funeral. Lord, I don't know what to do. I remember my first baptism. I thought it was going to drown the person. I don't know what to do. Uh, The first time I visited a hospital, deathbed. Lord, I don't know what to do. And I've discovered through the years, uh, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. I'm grateful that God takes weak vessels. I'm grateful that His grace is sufficient and that He can do it. See, our power comes from Him. And the key to producing fruit is to abide in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you notice uh, just a couple of quick thoughts. and. Uh, Notice in verse number three, how do we abide in the Lord? We abide in his word. Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. He says in verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. And we've been emphasizing in our adult Sunday school class the importance of the Bible, the word of God, and putting it in your home, in your family, hiding its words in your heart, memorizing it. If we're to abide in the Lord, we have to abide in his word. He mentions in verse 7, if we're to abide in the Lord, we must abide in prayer. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Verse 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, ordained you, that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Uh, we abide in the word, we abide in prayer, we abide in his love. Look in verse number 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Verse 10, <clears throat> if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. He states in verse number 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater loveth no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. In verse 17, these things I command you, that you love one another. See, he loves the world through us. He loves others through us. And the evidence of a relationship with Jesus Christ is a heart that has been changed by the love of Christ, that has a burden, has a heart for a world, and that abiding in his love. We abide in obedience. Look in verse number 10 again. If you keep my commandments... You shall abide in his love, or in my love, even as he had my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Notice in verse number 14, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. See, you cannot be out of the will of God and abide in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't have joy and peace and your walk with God if you're not in the will of God, obedient unto the Lord. Go back to John 14 and verse number 15. In John 14, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. In verse number 21 of John 14, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him, will manifest myself to him. In verse 23, uh, Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. You see, we abide in the Lord Jesus Christ through his word and in prayer and in the love of the Lord and in obedience to his word. We abide in Christ. And as you do so, friend, his love, his joy, his peace abound through you. He is the fruit. He is the one that produces the fruit. He is the life. You have no life of yourself. It's his life that must flow through you to reach a lost world. His fruit can be produced through you. Now, here's the thought this morning. Jesus is coming again. He said, behold, I come quickly. And he's given to us a mission as we await his return. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth say, come. Let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Just ask this question. As we await the return of Jesus Christ, have you been to the water? Have you taken from that cup the water of life freely? Do you have eternal life? The Lord Jesus that lives in you. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. There's no in-between. Either you're saved or you're lost. Either you're on your way to heaven or on your way to hell. And if you do not have that light, that's the invitation this morning. And then for those of you that know Christ, are you producing fruits? That's your purpose. He purges you for that purpose. Maybe you're going through the refining fires. He's purging difficulties pain. But he has a plan. It's that you produce fruits. His purging is to show his power through you. His purging is to show that you're weak. But he's strong. His purging is to show that without him you can do nothing. But through him you can do all things. That's our mission. That's our calling. Every head bowed.